Bibles with you, let's look at the book of Acts, chapter 2, and we're going to continue the series on ever-present. Everybody say ever-present. And actually, I'm going to need, uh, I forgot an obstacle, not obstacle, an object lesson that I was supposed to bring today. Actually, Brother Sean, could you go give me, since you are the uh, master at this, could you go get me a pitcher of water and a small glass? And we will continue why Brother Sean goes and does that. So let's look at uh, Acts 2 and verse 1. Now, this will be, the I think, the fourth part of this series on ever-present. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit in your life. Who is he? What he does. It says in Acts 2 and verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them, and they were all filled. You, you, guys, you guys still here? Come on now, we're Pentecostals, so we're going to have to uh, take it up a notch or two. They were all filled. Okay, with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So same chapter, Acts 2, and let's go to verse 38, I believe. Acts 2, 38. It says, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promised notice is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, that will be us, as many as the Lord our God will call. So if you're taking notes today, the title of this message, the fourth part of this series is Filled to Overflow. Filled to Overflow. Everybody say filled to overflow. One more time. Filled to overflow. So today we're going to talk about filled to overflow. And this will kind of be part two of what we shared about last week. Last week, if you weren't here, I encourage you to get online or get on iTunes and listen to the podcast. We talked about the power of Pentecost. Anybody here for that? The power of Pentecost. We talked about what happened on the first day of the church when the Holy Spirit got poured out and came into this world to live and abide in the believer forever. So we talked last week about that day of Pentecost, the first day of the church, the day that the Holy Spirit got poured out. And we talked about there is a uh, baptism or there is an experience that happened on the first day of the church that's for us today. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there's been a lot of teaching about this, and sometimes even in the body of Christ, there's been a lot of misunderstanding about it. So we're going to teach today about that baptism of the Holy Spirit and what it means for us today, and how do we have a prayer language from heaven. Thank you, Brother Sean. Come on, let's give it up for Brother Sean for being awesome. Ministry of Helps. All right. So we're talking about filled to overflow. So there's something that happens for every believer. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in you and he fills you. 
Amen? So there's people that don't pray in tongues, that don't believe really in much of the supernatural, that don't believe in the baptism and the Holy Spirit, that are saved, that are going to heaven, that believe the Bible, that love Jesus. There's people that haven't experienced this, that believe that way because, yes, the Holy Spirit comes in you and fills you when you get saved. He makes you a new person. He recreates your old dead spirit and makes you alive. So the Holy Spirit comes in you at the new birth. But there's a different thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit where he comes on you to give you power. So at the new birth, when we get born again, the Holy Spirit comes in to make us new. But then the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit comes upon to give us power to walk out this life. Or we could say it like this, that when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, when you're saved, he fills you up. But he doesn't want you just to be full. He wants you to be overflowing. Because if you're just full, that's only for you. But there's a different experience called the baptism in the Holy Spirit where he wants you to be immersed, drenched, overflowing. You're in the splash zone of the Holy Ghost. He, he has another experience, and it's a gift. Not something we earn, not something that we have to do all these things to receive it. It is a gift for every believer. It's a gift. Now, a lot of us in here are charismatics. That means we believe in the gifts. And a lot of us in here are Pentecostals, which means we believe in the Pentecostal experience that happened on the first day of the church. We believe in being spirit-filled. We believe in praying in tongues or, or praying in a spiritual language. We believe that. And a lot of times people will say that don't have the gift of the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A lot of times, uh, those of us that are like, like us, we could kind of carry ourselves with some pride, with some arrogance. I used to. Maybe you still think I do. Uh, but I went to a Christian school, so I had a lot of people from different denominations in my class. And so I was just waiting for somebody to bring up tongues. Oh, I'll roast you up teacher included that goes to Southern Baptist Seminary, I will roast you up. Or, you know, just bring up healing. Please bring up healing. Please bring up women preachers. I will roast you up, Southern Baptist Seminary student. See, do do you hear the arrogance in that statement? Yeah. I was only in high school at that point. But I I was ready for for any of the challenges because I had some scriptures in my back pocket. You ever hear that before? Had it in my coat pocket, my back pocket, my backpack. Don't mess with me, Southern Baptist Seminary student. So anyways, one day in class, they were talking about being spirit-filled, and there's a lot of Baptist folk in my class. And this one guy said, so you're telling me, Jordan, you're telling me that you have a better relationship with God than I do because you're spirit-filled and you pray in tongues? And I said, yes. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to hide that. Yes, I'm spiritually better than you are. That's what I'm saying. Now, that's not the right attitude to have, church family. Let me just say that. That's not the spirit of God to say that. But there is some truth that people that haven't received that are missing out on a gift. It's not that you're better than them 
or you're more spiritually mature than them. It just means that you have received a gift and they haven't. So really, they're just missing out on a gift that the Holy Spirit wants to give them. I love this. I heard somebody say this before. The Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better. It makes me a better person. It makes me change and become the person I've always was supposed to be. It makes me better. It's not about me being a better person than you. It has nothing to do with it. I need the Holy Spirit because he makes me better. I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it changes me. It helps me. So we need to make sure we carry ourselves with humility knowing that it's a gift. I mean, how much pride can you really have when you just received a gift? That's all you did. You didn't earn it. You didn't do anything to deserve it. You literally just received it from God. And that's all we're saying when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit is you received a gift. And it's for everyone. So... We're going to talk about this today, and we're going to break it down, and we're going to kind of go verse by verse in some familiar passages about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about today, hopefully you're going to get some clarity. We're talking about being filled to overflow. Filled to overflow. So let's look back at Acts 2, very familiar verse when it's talking about the day of Pentecost. Acts 2. In verse 1. Now, there's a principle here in the Bible. When you're studying the Bible, it's called the law of first mention. So this is the first time that this experience is mentioned in the Bible. So that means we should pay attention to it. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. Notice when the Holy Spirit got poured out, when there was unity. The Holy Spirit's not going to come in to a place where there's strife and backbiting and hatred. No, he came into their place when they were in one accord and in one place. It's the same true for our church. Verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and it set upon each of them. Now, verse 4 is where we're going to hang out for a while. Notice it said, and they were all filled. Now, if you got a Bible that says it like that, underline or circle all. They were all filled. Law first mentioned. It wasn't like God said, you get it. You get it. And you get it. No. All of the disciples, men and women, in the upper room, there's about 120 of them, were all filled. Notice that they were all filled. So it's for everyone. With the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let's leave that verse up there today. Notice it said they all were filled and they all spoke in other tongues. Now, what it's referring to here is your personal prayer language. That when the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of you and he fills you to overflowing, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he gives you a prayer language. 
The Bible says in some of the older versions, like a New King James or King James, they spoke in tongues, but that real word tongues means languages. So when we pray in tongues or pray in the spirit, we are praying in an unknown language to us, but not unknown to God. It is a real language, and it is the language of heaven. Now, a lot of times when people pray in tongues, they're like, well, I don't understand what I'm saying. Well, maybe you don't, but God does. And all of heaven does, and the supernatural does, because it's not an earthly language. It's a heavenly language. It's a spiritual language that God has given to every believer for their own personal life. So it's between you and, it's, and God, and it's a heavenly language given to us. So a lot of people would say, well, it sounds like gibberish. Well, not to God. It's a heavenly language, and I know sometimes if we don't know what we're praying, it could sound like it's just gibberish or we're just mumbling, but to God it is a beautiful heavenly spiritual language that is doing something in the spiritual realm that's beyond the realm that we live in. And it is a gift from God to be able to speak in a spiritual language, a heavenly language, and it's for our own personal prayer life to help us. And I'm going to tell you later on what kind of help it brings into your own life, having the ability to pray in the Spirit. Something that you should know is the law first mentioned said they were all filled Every one of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues or languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. You need to understand that this wasn't the first first and only time this happened. Read the book of Acts and you will see that time after time after time that the same thing occurred. A lot of people that would debate tongues said, well, that was just the, for the first church and the early church. Well, if you read your Bible, just the book of Acts, you see 30 years later, they're still being spirit-filled and praying in tongues. And if you read your Bible, you would understand and know that every church in the Bible was a spirit-filled, tongue-talking church. Every church in the Bible believed in healing, believed in miracles, believed in the gifts of the Spirit. Every church in the Bible was a faith church and a healing church and a miracle church. There wasn't a church on the side of the tracks and you guys are the odd ones out. No, that was the church. There was no such thing as denominations back then. There was no such thing as believers who don't believe back then. All they knew was a spirit-filled, tongue-talking, devil-casting out. Come on, where are you at? Now, I'm in the right church, right? Healing, believing, laying hands on the sick and they shall recover kind of church. That was the only church they had in the early church. There wasn't Presbyterians and Catholics and Pentecostals and Baptists and Methodists. No, there was just the church. And in the early church, it was a no-brainer. We believed this stuff. There wasn't books to try to disagree with it yet. There wasn't books from people that are too educated to be intelligent that wrote to try to discourage people from actually believing God. No, they didn't have any books and blogs that you could listen to about why healing is not for today or why being spirit-filled is not for today. That's all they knew. (laughs) 
was a spirit-filled, tongue-talking, healing, delivering church that had power. Let me say that one more time for the Pentecostals. That had power. That's all they knew. Why? Because that's the real church. Come on now, somebody. So just so you know, this wasn't a one-time experience. It happened. Read the book of Acts. It happened time after time again. You see the early church, what are they doing? They're living just like Jesus was on the earth. They are finishing what he started. They are laying hands on people, and people are getting healed. There's miracles that are happening. There's finances that are coming in. They're prophesying over people. They're giving out words of knowledge to people. They're praying in the Spirit, building themselves up. And in the book of Acts, it says already the church has turned the world upside down. Well, I'm excited. I don't know about you. Thanks, Pastor. Yeah. So we see every church you read about, Galatians, Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, all these churches were spirit-filled, tongue-talking people. Every leader you read about in the Bible, Peter, Paul, Timothy, Titus, Apollos, Every church leader was a spirit-filled leader. The Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, who is more educated than probably any other person in his time, said, I speak in tongues more than you all. Hmm. But people say it's not for today. The guy that you're quoting said, I pray in tongues more than you all put together. This was a man who was super-educated. That wasn't weird, wasn't strange, didn't need the crutch of the Holy Spirit because he was uneducated and on the backside. No. The Apostle Paul needed the Holy Spirit. He relied on the Holy Spirit, and he had a personal prayer language because he had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You guys still here today? So it says they all were filled and they all spoke. They were all filled, and they all spoke. Now, do we have that verse still up there? Thank you. It says, Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Notice, began. Because this is not a one-time thing. This is just the beginning. Now, when you get spirit-filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit, that's the start of your prayer life, not a one-time event. Just the beginning. You should grow in your spiritual language. You should grow in your prayer life. And this was just the beginning. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So we used this example before, but... The baptism of the Holy Spirit could be explained two different ways. First of all, the Holy Spirit comes within at the new birth, and he comes upon when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. But when you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes in. 
He fills you. That's just for you, though. It's just for you. Does water clean, Brother Sean? Okay, you didn't get out of the toilet or anything, right? Wow. It's going to get wet up here. I apologize. So we see that when you get saved, you get filled. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes in you and on you because he wants it to be more than just about you. So you have all these awesome things going inside. Awesome. But it needs to be bigger than you. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he immerses you or he fills you to overflow. Now, this is what a spiritual language is or heavenly language. You get so full, something has to come out. Now, that's what a spiritual language is. It's not something you're working for or you're trying to make happen. You're just so full, something's got to come out. And that's what being filled with the Holy Spirit is. That prayer language in you comes out because the Holy Spirit fills you to the point that you're overflowing. Come on, is anybody following me so far today? So it says, they began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. So, let's go a little bit further here. It says that they began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. So, for those of you who don't understand this fully about being Spirit-filled is the Holy Spirit's not going to make you pray in tongues. He's not going to make you talk in tongues. He's not going to make you sing in tongues. The Holy Spirit's not going to do that. The Bible says they began to speak, they began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. The word utterance is it gave them words to say. So for all of us in here, if we're waiting on an experience where the Holy Spirit comes and overtakes you and makes you speak in tongues, you're going to be waiting the rest of your life. That's what a lot of people are looking for is for the Holy Spirit to do that. No, you have your own will. And the Holy Spirit will not override your will. So when you speak, the Holy Spirit gives you words to speak. But who's got to start? We do. We got to do it. Same way with everything else with God. If you want to see healing take place, when you step out and pray for somebody, then the Holy Spirit comes and brings the healing power of God. But you got to do something first. Because we're working together with him. Same way with praying in tongues. It's exercising your faith. When you start to speak, notice I said they all spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. So you've got to believe when I start speaking, the Holy Spirit's going to give me the words to say. And that's what he will do. And the, the time that you stop praying in tongues is the time that the Holy Spirit will stop giving you words to say. Let me show you another verse, 1 Corinthians 14. First Corinthians 14 and verse 1, it says, Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. 
But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Let's put another verse up there, same chapter, 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 15, if you have it. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to this church. He said, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Let's leave this up here. Now, the reason I'm bringing this out is because a lot of people feel like that the Holy Spirit's going to make you do something, make you say something, make you sing a certain way or prophesy or do this. No, you have a will. And so the context of this, he's speaking to a church at Corinth, which they were a little tongue happy in excess. They were just praying in tongues the whole entire service every time they got together. And Paul had to say, guys, I'm glad you're really excited about tongues, but, you know, cool it off a little bit. I mean, seriously, people are coming to church and they have no idea what you're saying. So when you come to church, I want you to preach in your known language. But when you're praying in the Spirit, that's for you. That's for your own personal life. So the context of this is this church was one of those people that I mentioned a few weeks ago that would come to church and say, I can't help it, Paul. And they'd just be praying in tongues during the service, interrupting the preaching, interrupting the worship. And Paul said, no, you have a choice and you have a will. And he said, I have decided I will pray with the Spirit and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. So he's telling this church, no, you have a will, and you can control whether you speak in your known language or you speak in a spiritual language. You can control whether you sing in the Spirit or whether you sing in your known language. But you have that choice yourself. So this idea that we come into church or even in our personal lives and we're out of control, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's an act of our will when we choose to pray in tongues. Now, right now, I don't feel anything. I don't feel any words. I don't even feel supernaturally anointed right this second. But I'm going to pray in tongues. You know why? Because I will. And when I speak, he gives me the words. You ready for this? I'm not going to even look at you. I'm going to look this way because it could be embarrassing. (laughs) That was an act of my will. The Holy Spirit didn't make me say anything. When I opened my mouth, he gave me the words to say. I didn't feel anything special. I don't got a weird look in my eye, do I? I'm not crazy. I chose to pray in the Spirit, and so the Spirit... Gave me the words to say. You can do that anytime, any day, anywhere. You can choose to pray in the Spirit and pray in your natural language, and you can use to sing in the Spirit and sing in your natural language. And it's for your own spiritual health. 
It's for your own spiritual life. That's why he gave you this spiritual language, the gift of tongues. And it's for us today. You still here? So it takes faith to speak out when we don't fully understand what we're going to say. It takes faith to start opening our mouth and praying, even though we don't feel like we have the words yet. But it's a promise when we speak, the Spirit of God will give us an utterance or words to speak in a supernatural language. You guys follow me so far today. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Remember once again, when you get filled, it's one thing. But when you get overflowing, something has to come out. That's why the Bible says in John, remember Jesus said, prophesying about the Holy Spirit, out of your belly, he's talking about your spirit, your heart, will flow rivers of living water. That's what he's talking about when you're praying in the spirit. You get filled to overflowing. You're not just a, a little stream or little creek. You're a mighty rushing river. And when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, out of your belly or your in, inner man, your inside man, your heart, your spirit will flow rivers of living water. And it flows through your prayer language. I got a couple grunts and a couple amens. Are you guys receiving this today? Out of your spirit, your heart will flow rivers of living water. So when you get filled to overflowing, something has to come out. That's your prayer language. So let's look over at 1 Corinthians 14 again. This is probably one of the best known passages about speaking in tongues. By Paul, 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 1. Let's go there. It says, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue or a spiritual language does not speak to men, but to God. See, that's when people say, well, I don't understand what you're saying. Okay, it's not for you. No offense. It's not for you. I'm speaking to God. No one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Verse 3. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. But he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. So I want to talk to you as we close here today about several things that praying in tongues or praying in the Spirit does for you personally. Would you guys like to know something like that? What are the benefits of praying in tongues or praying in the Spirit? Because there is a lot, and this is not an exhaustive list, but we're going to share some things. First of all, when we pray in the Spirit, we pray out our future. When we pray in the Spirit, we pray out our future. 1 Corinthians 14.2. Let's bring that up. 1 Corinthians 14.2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. Let's leave that up there. 
So when you pray in the spirit or in the spiritual language, you pray out your future. You pray out your future. Now, how many know we don't know our future in our finite minds? We're not smart enough to figure it out, but there is a God in heaven who knows our future. And the only way you're going to get to know about your future is if you pray it out in the spiritual realm. Not up here, because you don't know the future. You're not God. But your spirit knows, because it's connected to God. And when we pray in the spirit, we pray out our future. And we pray perfect prayers according to the will of God. Pastor Nancy said it like this. She had a vision one time when she was praying in tongues. And she saw her life was like railroad tracks. And the more she prayed in tongues about her life and her future, more and more tracks were laid. So she would walk up to here and then stop. And the more she prayed, more and more tracks were laid. And then she moved up like this. And then the more she prayed in the spirit, more and more tracks were laid, and then she kept walking forward. Why? Because praying in the spirit prays out your future. And I believe when you pray out your future in the spirit, God will let you know the things you need to know about your life. Anybody believe that this morning? But it comes when we pray in the spirit. We pray out our future. We pray out what we're supposed to do with our life. We pray about direction and guidance and plans when we pray in the Spirit. And how many know since the Holy Spirit knows all things about your life and my life, when we get connected with him, he can give us what we need to know that doesn't come from here. It comes from here. That's where the real answers are in our spirit by the Holy Spirit. Come on, are you hearing me this morning? When it says he prays in an unknown tongue, he speaks mysteries. That word mysteries in the original means divine secrets. Brother Hagin would say about this verse, it means plans, purposes, and pursuits. So when we pray in the spirit, when you hear the word mystery, you're thinking about something you don't understand. But really a better way would say divine secrets. There are things that are not hidden from us. They're hidden for us. And they're over in the spirit. So when we pray in the spirit, we pray out the plans of God. The purpose of God. The secrets of God are made known by praying in the spirit. Come on, am I teaching you too much on a Sunday morning? So when we pray in the Spirit, we pray out our future. The second thing is when we pray in the Spirit, it brings rest and refreshing. Isaiah 28, let's turn there in verse 11. Isaiah 28 in verse 11 says, for with the stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to his people. To whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Now, why am I pulling a random passage out of Isaiah? Because if you read 1 Corinthians 14, he quotes these verses right here about praying in the Spirit. It's quoted directly in 1 Corinthians 14. 
But notice what it says. For with stammering lips and another tongue, he's talking about a supernatural language, he will speak to his people. This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. So when we pray in the Spirit, it brings rest and refreshing to us. And by the looks on your faces, you could use ten times more of that right now. Can already tell who prayed before they came today. This is the rest and the refreshing. So if we're praying in tongues, we should be more rested than anyone else and more refreshed. When we go to work, when we go to school, when we're out and about, we should have the refreshing and the rest of God on us because we've been praying in the Spirit. This is a promise. It says when we do this, this is the rest. This is the refreshing. So we should be the most refreshed people. See, this is what I don't understand. Sometimes people that say they're spirit-filled are grumpy people. How, how so? Who are you praying to? Or what, what are you praying? Because if you're praying in the spirit and your spirit is in contact with God's spirit, there should be some rest and refreshing. There should be some peace. There should be some joy. There should be something different. If you're really praying in the spirit to God. So I challenge you. You want some rest and refreshing in your life? Pray in the spirit. I'm burned out. Pray in the spirit. I'm tired. Pray in the spirit. I need some help. Pray in the spirit. It says this is the rest. This is the refreshing from God. Praying in the spirit. You know, Smith Wigglesworth said this because he didn't take a lot of vacations. And they would say, you know, how, how do you rest or how do you take vacations? He says, he would close his eyes and start praying in tongues. He said, this is how I rest. This is how I refresh myself, by praying in the spirit. Now, the fact is, for a lot of us in here, it's not that we don't know to do this. It's just that we don't do this. Anybody want to be honest like myself? And then we say, well, I'm not rested. I'm not refreshed. Do you ever pray in the Spirit? No. Hmm. That could be a problem. That could be an issue. And God gave you this language, notice, to help you. To help you be rested and refreshed. So when we pray in the Spirit, it brings rest and refreshing. Number three, when you pray in the Spirit, it helps you pray perfect prayers. Romans 8 in verse 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So you want to pray some perfect prayers? Pray in the Spirit. Because it says in this passage that when we don't know what to pray, because how many know there are a lot? 
Like you run out of English words. You run out of scriptures that you quoted a bunch of times. You don't know what to pray. And it says when you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit takes hold with your spirit. And he makes intercession for you on behalf of you by groanings that can't be uttered. Now, that word groanings that can't be uttered is just talking about it's not articulate speech like your natural language. It's a spiritual language. And the Holy Spirit prays through you, and he prays the perfect will of God. Come on, how many get something this morning? So that's a promise when we don't know what to pray. There is the Spirit of God that can pray in us and through us and every time, he's going to pray the perfect will of God in that situation. So there's another benefit of praying in the Spirit. You pray perfect prayers. And I don't know about you. I run out of words sometimes when I'm praying. I've confessed this. I've quoted this. I've talked about this. I'm out of words, and I still feel like I'm helpless, and I don't know what to say. And the Holy Spirit says, hey, I'm the helper, y'all. Oh, did you say you were helpless and hopeless? Hey, oh, that's me right here. I've come to help you pray out things that you don't know about, that you don't know you don't understand, that, that you're having trouble with, that your mind can't even think about it anymore. And he comes and takes hold and makes intercession for you. And prays out the perfect will and plan of God. Come on, has anyone ever experienced that before? Come on, thank God for the Holy Spirit's help when we pray. And I want to talk about another thing. When we pray in the Spirit, it builds us up. 1 Corinthians 14.4. You guys get something today? 1 Corinthians 14. In verse 4, we're going to read that here in a second. It says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Why? It's, it's for your own personal devotional life. But he who prophesies edifies the church. Let's leave this up. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Now I'm going to get really excited about this last one. Because there's so much in that word edify. Now, we don't use the word edify a lot, but the word edify means to build up. So when we pray in the Spirit, we get built up on the inside. Our spirit gets built up. So it says when you speak in a tongue, you edify or build up yourself. Another way to say it is some translations say you strengthen yourself. You strengthen yourself. Now, I lift weights. Don't all act like you're shocked. I eat McDonald's, but I lift weights too. And there's something about exercise and building muscle is that you have to keep doing it ongoingly if you want your muscles to get bigger. If you want to get stronger, you're going to have to keep doing it. 
Now, it goes for everything else in our life. Why don't we think about it spiritually? If you don't eat the right foods and exercise, your body's going to be weak. Right? Mentally, if we don't read and write and use that part of our body, our mind and soul is going to be weak. But it's the same way spiritually. If we don't use our spirit, our spirit is going to be weak. And let's all be honest in here. Most of us don't put an emphasis on using our spirit. And it's weak. That's why we can't sustain anything. That's why we can't get through anything. Because our body's strong, our mind is strong, and our spirit is weak. I love the old preacher that said, we feed our body three hot meals a, a day and our spirit one cold snack a week. No wonder we're spiritually malnourished. So, when we pray in the spirit, it says what? It edifies us, it builds us up, it strengthens us. When you pray in the spirit, it's like lifting weights for your spirit man. You want to get strong spiritually? Pray in the Spirit. So every time you're praying spiritually, you're lifting weights with your spiritual muscles. You're putting your spirit into action. So you want to become strong spiritually? You want to be built up? Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. I've never met somebody who prayed in the Spirit all the time and was still spiritually weak. Can we all be honest in here? Anytime we've ever been spiritually weak or suffering, it's because our spirit has had no action. No food from the word. No lifting of weight and building ourselves up by the spirit. Because it's spiritual exercise when we pray in the spirit. Builds us up. The Bible says it strengthens us when we pray in the spirit personally. Here's another word it uses there for edify. When we pray in the Spirit, we improve ourselves. We improve ourselves. How many would like to improve in here? We all want to look better, talk better, seem better, live better. You want some real improvement in your life? Pray in the Spirit. It says when we pray in the Spirit, it, it, we improve ourselves. Spirit, soul, and body. When we pray in the Spirit, another way to say it is, in the original, it says to make more able when we pray in the Spirit. We're, we're able to do things that we couldn't do before. Why? Because we're built up in our spirit man. So edify means to strengthen to improve, to make more able. Another translation says, when we pray in the Spirit, that word edify means to charge. Now, there is no panic like a low battery panic with no charger. Y'all trying to act holy? You're not. There is no panic 
especially if you're out and about and you're nowhere near home. There is no panic like a 5% battery life with no charger in sight. What am I going to do? No one's going to know where I'm at. I can't call anybody. I can't text anybody. I can't see the gossip on Facebook. What am I going to do? You might have to be quiet in your car for a second. I don't know. But how many of you know, life has a way of draining our spiritual batteries. Can I get amen? (laughs) Sometimes it's our work. Sometimes it's our family. Sometimes it's our friend. Sometimes we're just living in a fallen, sinful planet that is crazy. And it has a way to drain our spiritual batteries. So when we pray in the spirit, we go plug our spirit man into the charger. So we're not running on low battery every day like everybody else on the planet. So when we go into life, we're spiritually charged that we can handle life. We can handle work. We can handle our lives with joy, with peace, with power. But that only happens when we're charged up. So when we pray in the Spirit, we're plugged into God's Spirit. Builds you up, edifies you, strengthens you, improves you, makes you more able, charges you. That's all from that word edify. Let's look at another verse, Jude 1 and verse 20. And we're going to close here. It says, but you, beloved, so he's talking to a church, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. He's using that same word here, is edify, building up. It says, building yourself up on your most holy faith by praying in the Spirit. So I want to talk about, as we close, I want to repeat these things to you, and we're going to have a time to pray. So when we pray in the Spirit, it prays out our future. When we pray in the Spirit, it brings rest and refreshing. When we pray in the Spirit, it prays perfect prayers. When we pray in the Spirit, it edifies us, builds us up, strengthens us, improves us, makes us more able, charges us. There's an interesting um, thing that actually Amzi sent me the other day, and I've studied this before, but if you've ever looked up, there's uh, scientists who study the brain who's done tests when people pray in tongues. And he sent me a study thinking about building yourself up or strengthening yourself. There's a scientist uh, who works actually at ORU who did a study about the brain and praying in tongues. And he said that it was proven that when you prayed in tongues, it released these two chemicals in your brain that only praying in tongues can do that boosted the immune system of the person by 40 to 50%. Now, God says that in his word, but there's scientific facts to even back that up. Because what does it say? When you pray in tongues, you strengthen yourself. You're just thinking spiritually, but even your immune system gets stronger 
when we pray in the Spirit. Now, there's so many minutes of benefits to praying in the Spirit, and I just wanted to share those with you, but I encourage you, dive into these scriptures because there's many more that I didn't get to mention today.